Welcome to episode eight of the Seeking the Military Suicide Solution podcast brought to you by the Military Times. I'm Dwayne France. And I'm Doc Shauna Springer. And we'd like to thank you for taking the time to learn more about suicide in the military-affiliated population. I'd also like to thank our sponsors, Mill Media Group. Mill Media Group is a proven web design and digital media agency specializing in supporting organizations focusing on the military population. Find out more about them at millmediagroup.com. Thanks again to everybody for joining us to listen to an honest conversation about service member veteran and military family suicide. If you want more folks to find the show, make sure to give us an honest rating and review on your podcast player of choice. We'd also like you to join our Facebook group moderated by fellow combat veteran D. James. You can find the group and the show notes by searching for Seeking the Military Suicide Solution on Facebook. As we continue this series looking at suicide in the military-affiliated population, we want to highlight a number of groups that are working to bring folks together in collaboration. That's what our guest today is talking about. Shauna, what can you tell us about today's guest? Yes, Casey Kelly has spent 17 years working in the field of suicide prevention. While she was at the VA, she spearheaded efforts to disseminate cognitive processing therapy and prolonged exposure therapy throughout the VA system, efforts which led to the training of 20,000 mental health professionals to become certified providers of CPT, cognitive processing therapy, in one year alone. She currently leads efforts at the George W. Bush Warrior Wellness Alliance an ambitious initiative that aims to knit together the efforts of veteran-serving mental health organizations with peer support-based veteran service organizations and peer support-based community organizations. Yes, I'm glad that uh, we're able to have Casey come on the show. Uh, I am, uh, as many listeners might know, I'm involved with Casey in the Bush Institute uh, through the Veteran Leadership Program uh, and really think that uh, the stuff that they're doing, the Warrior Wellness Alliance to bridge some gaps is some good stuff. So we'll get into the conversation and come back afterwards to pull out some key points. The Warrior Wellness Alliance really for the last several years has been taking the lead on uh, a lot of different things, including suicide prevention. So from your point of view, what do you see that's working when it comes to preventing suicide in the military community? Well, I think we're really starting to see a shift um, in how much people are talking about suicide. Um, At one point in my career, my now 17-year career, you know, people were even afraid to say the word suicide. Um, and I think that we have reached an inflection point where people are, are so frustrated that the numbers aren't changing and are really recognizing that um, perhaps that, that veterans might have an opportunity to change the trajectory of the suicide crisis that we have in this country, um, not just for veterans and, and military families, but, but for our country overall. Um, and one of the things that I think has helped with that is the Bush Institute. We've we've started really sharing our philosophy in that um, suicide prevention is not crisis intervention only. It is really about promoting a life worth living, and the things that are working are are not only evidence based mental health care, but those other um, activities and programs that promote community and help veterans find purpose after the military and organizations such as the Mission Continues and Team Red, White and Blue um, 
and Wounded Warrior Project that continue to help veterans um, find their peers and find purpose and community after they've taken off the uniform. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, the idea that the conversation is starting now. Um, ultimately, that's how this project had emerged. Um, and Military Times got on board because so many people are are interested. I mean, we've been here for the last 15 years um, or so talking about it, but now the time for action uh, is upon us. And, and I agree, there is a lot more discussion about it. Um, and I think we're ready to move beyond just awareness. I agree, Dwayne, and we're seeing some of that with um, the the policy changes that we're seeing come to fruition, um, both within the Department of Veterans Affairs and with some leadership coming out of the White House with the Prevents Executive Order and another executive order um, that came out before Prevents that was really focused on the transition period. Um, that executive order we're actually now seeing put put into practice and that the VA has uh, just kicked off one of the outcomes of that original executive order where they are proactively calling um, transitioning veterans um, at the first call is at the 90 day mark. Um, And that's something that people have been advocating for for many years that is now finally coming to fruition. And I'm really pleased to see that action being taken by the department um, and by our um, our political leaders. However, I think there's a lot more that we can do. Um, I think that one of the reasons that the Bush Institute started the Warrior Wellness Alliance is because we believe that the VA and our government officials cannot do this alone. Um, We know that the large majority of veterans actually don't go into the VA for a variety of reasons. Um, And that supporting veterans' mental health and supporting um, thriving veteran communities is really everyone in our country's responsibility. Um, you know, less than 1% of our country defend our, our values and our freedoms. And our, our country really needs to get their head around the fact that, that this is not a VA issue. This is not a DOD issue. This is an American issue. And we should be proud to support our military families on a daily basis. You know, and I think that's a mind shift that a lot of people, maybe they're starting to have, but really need to have. And this is actually something that came out with my conversation with Barbara Van Dalen was that for a long time, we think suicide prevention is something we do to somebody. Like you said, it's this crisis intervention piece, but really it's something we do with somebody and with each other. Exactly. Again, the the Bush Institute started the Warrior Wellness Alliance with an effort to connect more veterans to effective mental health care that exists around the country. It is the only collective of organizations at the scale that seats veteran peer leaders at the same table with um, clinical subject matter experts. And my charge in leading the Alliance has really been to empower them to work collaboratively and equally as a collective. And even though of the 14 organizations, they all have their own mission, their own primary um, responsibility to get their, their own organization's job done, they have come together um, and recognized that there was so much more power in our collective and that even if mental health and suicide prevention was not their primary mission, they were dealing with it as a secondary or tertiary mission anyway. And so I'm really excited that we're, we're, we're to a place where we're taking this concept and this philosophy into action. And we are, are kicking off pilots of a, 
a process that we have worked together to, to generate that actually functionally connects non-clinical organizations to clinical organizations and provides a mechanism for our peer networks to be able to, to refer themselves or to refer their buddy when they see them struggling to effective mental health care in a way that does not put them in a position that um, makes them feel like they have any liability or that overextends what they feel their capacity is as far as training. Um, we really have worked to understand their operations. While we are excited about the three pilot regions, what I'm, I'm most excited about and kicking them off is that this is just the beginning. The intention is that we will learn, we will refine, and then be able to give this new knowledge and this process that has been developed um, to others and scale it on a national basis. And I think that, uh, in, and as you mentioned, we've been doing this for so long, I think maybe that identifies what one of the things that isn't working is that each of us doing something individually isn't solving the problem, right? I mean, we, we all complain and tear our hair out about these silos and these turf wars and stuff like that. And like you said, this is why the Warrior Wellness Alliance uh, was created was to bridge that gap. But is that one of the things that isn't working when it comes to suicide prevention? Yeah, I think that, um, well, there are a variety of things that aren't working that need to be improved. But one of the things specifically that that we have learned in the Alliance and that um, I think we will be able to share is um, this barrier of, we just have limited mental health care in this country. We have limited quality mental health care in this country. Um, we also have this mindset of like expecting veterans to come into the healthcare system. Um, with the Alliance, we're we're combating both of those um, challenges and both of those barriers. We have, in this process, we have sort of created um, a way for non-clinical organizations to access uh, quality mental health care when they need to. Um, we all know that there's nothing about this that's easy. Um, and I'm just really thankful that at the table with me through the Alliance, we have so many brilliant um, experts um, and the brain capital in our Alliance, I think is really what's going to, to make us feel successful. Um, so I, you know, I, I would say there are three things that we're, we're really addressing uh, through the Alliance that are, that are barriers um, to suicide prevention and barriers to, to, to um, more people accessing quality care. One is the negative perception issue. The, the, the reaching out for help means I'm weak. Um, by working through our peer, peer networks and sort of sending a message that um, there's strength and power um, in, in shared experience and that we, we really want you to thrive. It's not just about surviving, it's about thriving. Um, we're targeting that negative perception, that stigma issue. The second is the navigation to quality care. Um, you know, once someone is willing to raise their hand and say, okay, I'm struggling, I need some help, I don't know what it is, it's really hard to get access to something that would be a good experience. Um, and so that through these pilots, we've created this easy button, if you will, that we'll be testing and refining. And then the third thing that, that is much bigger, and the Alliance alone cannot tackle this, um, is the fact that we have limited quality mental health care in this country. Um, so one of the ways that we are planning to, to combat that is through technology, through coming together to really shine a bright light as a collective, that this is an issue that more people need to be focused on. 
Um, and then to be, be positioning um, ourselves to get those non-clinical um, resources into folks' hands at a community level so that people who maybe aren't social workers or psychologists or psychiatrists um, will know what to do and know how to take action and feel confident that when they take action to help their buddy, um, that, that they will get the care that they need. After the break, Casey and I talk about the impact of leaving the military and the challenges of transition to post-military life. Hi, I'm Melissa Mosier. I'm a local Army spouse, daughter, sister, and a proud team member of Mill Media. I'm here at our headquarters at the Great Fort Head, Texas. Mill Media is a military-affiliated team that wants to serve you the way that you served our country. With mostly military retirees, veterans, and families as our staff, we understand the military mindset. Mill Media is the one place that prioritizes your goals above all else, which you will see from our incredible customer service. With over 25 years of experience, we work with everyone from startups, small businesses, entrepreneurs, and nonprofits. Mill Media Group is the digital division of Top Search Business Solution that specializes as a web design and digital marketing platform. So visit our website today for a free website analysis so that you can sit back, relax, and let us give you the perfect online presence. To hear more about what Mill Media is doing and will continue to do, call me today at 254-554-0974 or visit our website. That's millmediagroup.com. So call me whenever you're ready. Yes, and this is, uh, again, looking at the gaps, and, and you've mentioned it a couple of different times, but this, you know, the idea that all of the peer organizations are over here on this side of the chasm, and all the clinicians are over there on that side of the chasm, and never the twain shall meet, right? You know, and this is the, you know, you know it's like, you know, the chocolate and the peanut butter, and, and nobody knows they work together. Um, and that's what the the pilot, pro- well, the Warrior Wellness Alliance overall, but the pilot program is is aiming to do in these three um, target regions is to bridge that gap almost literally. Yeah, literally it's, it's exciting. And, and, you know, I think that there will be a lot of things that we will learn and we'll learn them really quickly. Um, But, you know, the, the, the number that sort of strikes me is, is that while we know that the large majority of veterans come home and transition um, and go on to contribute, um, as leaders in our communities around the country um, and, and in corporations, we also estimate um, that at least um, 250,000 post-9-11 veterans on any given day are struggling with some sort of invisible wound of war. Um, and there's no simple or rapid or reliable way for them to confidently refer um, themselves or to refer a peer to effective mental health care and quality mental health care. Um, and, and, I, and I think that while we are focused on referral to effective mental health care, that many of the byproducts are going to be in, in uniting these organizations around a singular mission that will ultimately lead to um, not just reduction of disease and reduction of, of the sort of challenges associated with the invisible wounds of war, but will also be an opportunity for these organizations and the alliance to unite around a shared mission and to continue to, to thrive in this community that we have developed called the Alliance. 
You know, and, and I really appreciate that, uh, that identification, maybe that delineation and, and, you know, as, as you well know, it's not even as easily delineated. Um, you know, a, a couple of years ago, a, a friend of mine, he was a deputy sheriff in the um, local veterans court. And he said, hey, how long have you been out? And I said, oh, it's been out for three years. And he was like, oh, you've had a great transition. Well, it's not felt like that from my standpoint, right? Because it's not always blue skies and, and puppy dogs and rainbows. Uh, and so even those, those, you know, non 250 that aren't struggling with a, an invisible wound of war, maybe necessarily sort of the idea that we're all two paychecks away from poverty. We're all two really big incidents from really needing to, to connect with somebody. Yeah. Well, and Dwayne, you know, I also like to remind folks that, um, mental health and that transition is not only a veteran issue, um, mm-hmm. You know, we, while there are certainly things that um, our, um, our military face that, that are different than, and not even comparable to the rest of, of our population, um, change is hard. Um, change is hard for everyone. And whenever that is um, a traumatic event or a career change or a geographical relocation, um, it is to be expected that there will be some challenges associated with those transitions. And I, and I think sometimes that we, we forget that some of this is just normal <laughs> and is it's okay. Life. Like it's life. Um, it's okay to not be okay. Is the, the latest phrase I've heard. Um, because, you know, I, I think that, that we forget that when there are challenges, there's, there's also growth. Right. And um, and I, I just I, I always try to push back when um, folks try to put veterans sort of in this like corner that that they're so different, because in my experience, I have learned more about leadership and more about strength and courage um, and vulnerability, um, frankly, from the veterans that are in my life. And I, and I actually think that what our veteran community is doing related to. Um, advancing um, proactive public health approaches to helping their veteran communities thrive, whether it's through the enrichment program at TMRWB or the shared mission, um, again, of, of the mission continues, or our own Team 43 that's really sort of taught us, um, taught the Bush Institute about the power of competitive sport and recovery and the power of community through competitive sport. I think all of those um, social determinants, um, those sort of preventative um, activities and are, are really what's going to be the secret sauce when we crack the nut on, um, on suicide prevention. I think we, we as a country have completely missed the boat and um, how we've thought about um, suicide prevention and mental health care and thinking of, that it was isolated to a healthcare setting. I think there's so much more that we have to learn and so much more opportunity for us outside of the healthcare system. I, I seem to be saying this almost every interview and I might start to edit it out because the, the listeners are going to hear it over and over. But if I, as a mental health counselor, had the solution and my community had the solution, the problem would be solved, right? It's not <laughs> just an us problem. What are some action steps that people can take? It's great to think about this and beyond, you know, push-ups and, and hashtags, but what are some action steps and actual things that people can do to maybe make a difference in their lives and their community? 
So the first thing I, when I get this question, I always try to remind people that asking sincerely how someone is doing and waiting to listen has so much power. Um, and that is something that every one of us can do. Um, and I think we take it for granted because we are also busy doing our life. And I think technology, this is an area, and I'm a huge fan of technology. Um, I think this is an area where technology has, has created an additional barrier. Um, I, so I would just, I think, strongly encourage listeners to, to not undervalue the power of looking someone in the eye or picking up the phone and sincerely asking how they were doing and letting them know that, that you were there um, to grab a cup of coffee um, or to go for a run or something. Um, I, I think the other thing that I, is a pet peeve of mine um, is when people are interested and in wanting to do something about raising awareness about the suicide epidemic in our country, they oftentimes raise, raise the numbers, right? Highlight the problems. And I strongly encourage, implore every one of you that are, that are willing to take that action. And thank you for taking that action to raise, raise awareness about this problem to also make sure that you include some resources that are available. Um, because the last thing we want to do if someone really is starting to feel down or to start thinking about suicide is to continue to reinforce how bad the problem is without actually um, letting them know that someone is there and that there are resources that are available. Um, so you those know, are, I think, my two biggest, my, big, my two biggest suggestions. My, uh, it brings in mind thinking, you know, if you got a bunch of stray dogs running around, just pointing how many stray dogs are out there isn't solving the problem. It's how do we coordinate our efforts to reduce the stray dog population? Yeah, uh, exactly, Dwayne. Um, and unfortunately, I've been on the other side of it um, where um, when we were reviewing um, tragic um, situations where we have learned that people decided to um, take their life. Um, and, you know, it, as a result of feeling like there was really no hope um, because of, of people raising the numbers. Um, and I think the final thing I would just offer, we've talked a bunch about the Alliance, but um, if folks would like to get involved with any of our Alliance organizations, um, please check out bushcenter.org slash A. You can find opportunities to connect with peer networks that are in the Alliance. You can also find opportunities to learn more about effective mental health care organizations around the country. Um, and we're, we're going to continue to build out the website. So I would encourage you to, to check back. Um, you can also follow me on Twitter at Casey A. Kelly. Um, I'm sure Dwayne will send out some contact information and follow up to this. Um, and um, I just really thank you for allowing me the opportunity opportunity to join you today and um, share a little bit about what we are doing with the Warrior Wellness Alliance to try to um, help be a part of the solution and um, create a country where more veterans are able to thrive um, and continue to lead our country the way they so passionately want to. Yes, absolutely. I really enjoyed the conversation with Casey. Again, as I've mentioned in the intro and a number of different times, I've known her I, for a couple of years now, actually, in, in our mutual interaction at the Bush Institute. Uh, and I really do believe what they're doing as far as making that bridge between 
the the organizations that have veterans participating like Rubicon and stuff, and then mental health professionals. I think it's a noble goal. So what did you think about our conversation? Well, first off, Casey is absolutely on the money when she points out that even though many of the peer-based veteran service organizations didn't start with the central mission of preventing veteran suicide, this has become a secondary or tertiary purpose for many of them. Team Rubicon, a disaster relief organization started and led by veterans, is a perfect example of this. Team Rubicon's founders originally conceived of TR as a way to tap the unique skills of veterans to become a highly capable, adaptable disaster relief organization. The suicide of beloved Marine and founding member Clay Hunt prompted deep grief in a time of soul-searching among TR's founders. And they emerged from this grief with the realization that Team Rubicon's central mission would be the support of veterans through giving them purpose, which can be life-saving for some members. As a rank-and-file gray shirt within Team Rubicon, I've been deployed twice as part of disaster response operations in Northern California. Being on these operations has given me a window into the camaraderie between service members that can be so hard to put into words. At the end of the day, we gather around a fire pit. Huddled together by the glow of the fire, the conversation quickly turns intimate. Fellow gray shirts sharing their grief and losing fellow veterans to suicide. How they themselves have battled with their own demons. And how the mission of Team Rubicon has been life-saving to them in the context of this mental warfare. It's critical to stand with these organizations. Lives saved isn't well captured by research, but I've personally witnessed this outcome repeatedly because of organizations like Team Rubicon. Yeah, I am a huge fan of um, whatever we call them, the new age VSOs or what have you. Um, The way I sort of describe it um, and, and have had this conversation with folks from Team Rubicon and RWB and things, as well as the VFW and the Legion is that, um, you know, the VFW and the Legion sort of give veterans what they need. They do a lot of legislative um, activity. They do a lot of, of obviously supporting for you know, benefits and, and meeting the needs of veterans and their families. The new VSOs can really be seen as giving veterans what they want, right? I want to go exercise. I want to engage in that. So uh, I go to Team RWB. I want to you know, run through the woods with the chainsaw. So it's Team Rubicon. I want to do uh, community stuff. So it's uh, the mission continues. Um, and at the same time, that also meets both of them meet a deeper need of connecting to other veterans, uh, just as what you're talking about, which can definitely keep somebody from going into a suicidal crisis. I know you're kidding. And I know that Team Rubicon would never let their Sawyers, who are the people with the chainsaws, go running through the woods with them. Um. <laughs> it, it is a, it definitely, it's a, uh, it's, it's a post-military, I used to say running through the woods with muddy boots and rifles. I was speaking metaphorically, not literally. Don't run with chainsaw kids. Do not try this. At- we joke around a lot about putting out a TR um, calendar where uh, people would be just, uh, with the chainsaw and nothing else and selling that. And we would never do it, you know, but I, I was joking around with some of the guys and, and women about that kind of a funny uh, fundraiser, which would never happen. Um, okay. The second thing that I pulled out is, is this, I, I absolutely agree with, with Casey that life is full of transitions and that veterans are some of our strongest, bravest, most adaptable citizens. And knowing her heart for veterans, I'm sure she would agree that transition from the military is a uniquely vulnerable time. Research informs us that the majority of first suicide attempts occur within the initial phase following discharge. In fact, to my mind, when many of our strongest and bravest citizens are hitting a wall, 
we should get curious about why this is the case. My sense is that current transitional programs view the needs of transitioning veterans as being somewhat like job seekers who need to find their next paid job. Yet those who serve in the military are not like coworkers. They're a family, and the needs of transitioning veterans go far beyond the need to find new employment. Veterans often tell me that they feel invisible, like ghosts, trying to navigate through a culture that has values that are completely different from their own values. This is essentially why Jason Roncaroni and I wrote Beyond the Military, to unpack the psychological, cultural, and relationship dimensions of transition that we are not talking about, and to build a program that will allow veterans to confidently navigate the minefield of transition. Columbia University researchers Megan Mobbs and George Bonanno have also done some great research on transition. They published a very thoughtful article that we'll include as a further resource in the link to the show notes for this episode. Here's a quote that I really liked from their article. During transition, service members may struggle with unresolved or prolonged grief and bereavement over fallen comrades, loss of their previous military identity, nostalgia for the order and purpose that characterized their service experiences, a sense of moral injury, confusion about military and civilian differences, and changing masculine roles. In the final analysis, this is where I land. Military transition is a uniquely stressful experience, and armed with the right psychological insights and the right support, our warriors are uniquely capable of not just surviving, but thriving beyond the military. What did you think, Dwayne? You know, I, um, obviously, I agree, having gone through it myself, um, and it's uh, interesting, I think, that we're having this conversation along with the Warrior Wellness Alliance one. Uh, in that, back on the other podcast, I had the executive director of Team RWB, J.J. Pinter, on the show, and he and I talked about um, the fact that the military really sees um, transition as transactional, right? You know, give me your experience, I will return you a resume, give me your wardrobe, I will teach you how to dress for success, give me your interview skills, and I will help you hone them, right? So it's very much a give and take, whereas in J.J.'s point, it needs to be much more transformational. Um, in that we need to change the mindset. Um, I've written before on how to apply Protasca and DiClemente stages of change, uh, and, and we're getting into the, the, the mental health mumbo-jumbo here, um, but the stages of change model, if, if I am not ready to change my mind, the Army doesn't care. It put me out anyway, right? So if I'm in pre-contemplation stage, they want me to take action. And so we do have to make that shift. And then what, uh, and Megan Mobs is a friend, and, uh, and what Megan and her colleague have talked about is transition stress moving beyond the medical model of mental health, where it's PTSD and TBI and, 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 and even substance abuse, um, where there are diagnoses for these, but moving beyond the medical model for mental health to more of a wellness model and these other things like purpose and meaning, moral injury, needs fulfillment, family, which you're very familiar with, relationships. There's no diagnosis for repeated disrupted relationships, but yet that is a, a significant part of the challenges in post-military life. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. I have so many patients whose relationships ended, even solid relationships, or had all kinds of relationship-based chaos during the transition period, um, which is part of what, what makes me feel that it, it really is a uniquely vulnerable time for relationships um, and for personal wellness. But there are ways that we can navigate this if we understand um, sort of psychological underpinnings of it. And you wrote about some of that, too, in, in Military in the Rearview Mirror. 
um, you definitely took on some of those things that people don't talk about enough. Yeah. And, and I've often said that uh, um, one of my secrets as a success is that I didn't come home to an empty house. That was one of my uh, very, very important uh, aspects of the support for my wife. And, and we've been married for well over 20 years. And so that is uh, definitely, uh, it's a great point. And, and being able to, um, yes, transitions and, and changes in life occur. I've got kids going from high school to college, and then they'll go from college to the workforce. But it is unique from the military to post-military life. So really appreciate everybody taking the time to check out the show. Make sure to check the show notes at veteranmentalhealth.com forward slash STMSS08, where you can get the links to all the things we talked about on this episode, as well as at militarytimes.com. As a reminder, you can ask us questions or let us know what you thought about the show by going to our Facebook group, moderated by the outstanding D. James, by searching Seeking the Military Suicide Solution on Facebook. While you're at it, check out our sponsors, Mill Media Group. They're a web design and digital media agency with over 25 years of experience in supporting service members, veterans, and their families. They specialize in working with startups, small businesses, entrepreneurs, nonprofits, and city and state and local governments. As a veteran-owned business, they're uniquely qualified to work with those who want to reach an audience in the military and veteran community. If you have a dream or a vision, they can help bring it to life and get you in front of your audience. You can contact them at 254-554-0974 or find them online at millmediagroup.com. Just a reminder that the guests and reflections on this show are for informational purposes only and should not be considered professional advice. While Dwayne and I are mental health professionals, We are not your mental health professionals. We always recommend that you discuss these things with a licensed clinician. You can find out more about the work that Shauna is doing by checking out her latest book, Beyond the Military, A Leader's Handbook for Warrior Reintegration, and the work that I'm doing with my latest book, Military in the Rearview Mirror. Both are available on Amazon and we'll have links to those in the show notes. And always remember, you can connect with the Veteran Crisis Line by calling 1-800-273-8255 and pressing 1, chat online with them at veterancrisisline.net, or texting 838-255. Thanks again for joining us to talk about seeking the military suicide solution, and make sure to follow Military Times on social media to keep up with the latest shows. Join us next time for another great episode, and until then, remember, you're not alone, ever.